I can't hear it though. I can't hear it. It's not working, Mark. You can't do that. You can't. Did I tease you? You teased me, and then you didn't. You didn't pay off, and that's not. You can't do that to people. You can't do that. All right. You were gonna try to play. We're gonna. We're gonna restart. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine, Mark. It's when, fine. When are you going to learn? You can't hold the microphone next to a speaker no, and play I, audio. I, I tried it before. And it worked great. It didn't work great. It did. I, did. I just didn't tell you at the time. It sounded awful. No, it did. It's horrible. It worked great. Why was your wife mad at the fact that you played the song too long? She said that we, you let I the song know. play I, no, too long? No, I, I like the song. That's a great song. If I share with All right, you I'm my try, story. I'm going to try this again. So just wait. Hey, hey, there is a way to do this in a better fashion. Ross, in terms of recording the audio to the to the board, but I would have to think ahead. Yeah, we don't we don't like to think do ahead. So hold we're on, here to, we're here to fly by the seat of our pants. I actually have a cord. Darn right, here we go. Hold on, Ross Peterson. What did you do? Did you just get your license? God dang it, you son of a gun, you unreal cuss! Whammy, whammy, Peterson at the plate and whammy right there. Charter House Real Estate. We all know that you're going to be a huge success. I tell you what, if I was in the market, there's only one guy I would call. That's RPM, Ross Peterson per minute. Ross per minute. <laughs> Ross Peterson minute. Boy, what is the Ross Peterson minute like? Is that a blissful time? Is that how quickly you will sell a house? Huh. Ross Peterson minute. <laughs> Go. Ding. Sold. Another Ross Peterson sales success here at Charter House Real Estate. God damn it, Charter House is going to finally kick some fucking ass. <laughs> now we got Peterson on board. Before Peterson came on, the goddamn place is about to shutter. Huh? Huh? Now it's going to just be sales. They might have to add a sale. I'm talking sales and sales. Like we'll have to add more. Um, Wind sails because the gusts that Ross Peterson is going to provide. I'm not saying you're full of hot air, Peterson, but you just goddamn might be. Whammy. Whammy. All right. What's his name? David Keckner. David Keckner. Also known as Champ Kind. Yeah, that's the, that's the whammy, but uh, I also think of him as the guy that pooped in Michael Scott's office. Yes, uh, and, and it led to one of my favorite. Uh, uh, t- Todd. Yeah, you're Todd. right. You're right. What people are yelling right? Yeah, they are. Right, right they are. Uh, Packer. Todd Packer led to one of my yeah. favorite um, behind the scenes lines. I always like this in movies and TV shows when you hear things in the background that are hilarious one liners or punchlines. Yeah. And you and you can talk to other people that love the shows or saw the show, and you go, "Oh man, did you hear that one part?" And go, oh, it feels like little Easter eggs that you found, mm-hmm. right? And one of them in that in that episode is when, uh, uh, oh, now that I'm thinking of Todd Packer, I'm like, what? Creed. Yep. Creed walks in, and everybody that walks in, I mean, Packer is pooped in Michael Scott's office. So everybody that walks in the office is like, oh, it, it smacks smells- him in the face, right? Yep. And Creed walks in and says. Hmm, somebody make soup? <laughs> uh, 
I don't think I don't think in the history of that show, I don't think Creed had a serious line the whole time. Oh, dude, that or a straight, yeah. or straight line. No, I my wife. We were just talking about the the office the other day. She claims she likes it. She's a liar, by the way. What do you, what, what, how do you claim you like it? No, she, because why? I I think she wants to feel feel like you know the office is a great show, and when you're the one that's like I don't like it, you know, especially our next door neighbor Cleo. Uh, who they're friends and Cleo says it's one of her favorite shows of all time. Yeah. So now my wife's got to be like, well, no, I do like it. What I hate is the intro music. We talked about this. I'm like, so that's like ruining. So I can't watch the show on TV because of the seven second intro music. And it is a notoriously short intro. Very short. When you, once you're, but there's a reason she has a good reason for it. And I understand man, like, I've Don't done, defend her. I, I'm going to defend her because as she was saying this the other night at dinner, I totally felt her pain for this. Okay. So basically what it was is you you watch the show in kind of uh, in surges. You will, you'll binge it for oh, a yeah. period of time. So over the course of four or five hours, she will hear that noise, and it is predominantly louder than the rest of the show in the, uh, on a waveform. It, the, the beginning of that... And then the show kind of and then yeah. you hear talking that comes in a pan. There's no loud music. There's very rarely bing bang booms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that when you over the course of five hours, she hears this 10, 11 times. Yeah. And that's all you every 28 minutes, you hear the same thing. And I can understand. Here's where I'm here's where my, my appreciation for her pain comes in. My years of making commercials at the radio station, one of my jobs, and I was really good at it. Would be like if um, who's coming to town? Who's an uh, Eric Church was supposed to be? Yeah, we'll he just canceled the concert. It's like when when Eric Church is coming to town, what they would do is they would send me a work order that said, "Hey Ross, Eric Church is coming to town. Tickets are going to go go on sale on this date. Here's the date of the show. Here's how much tickets are. Here's how much. Here's here's where we want people to go to buy the tickets." And that's all the information you want in a 30-second spot yeah. because it's got to be the music. You know, it's got to go, on a dirt road, Eric Church. I couldn't name a single beer cans. one of the songs. Is that, a, is, yeah. that a, is that a song? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, at Wells Fargo Arena with a pretty girl. That's just your generic. Yeah, and you'd like, you know. you, everybody's heard these commercials, sure. right, where it's yeah. the it's the, the songer singing his pretty song, yeah. and then the voice guy comes in. Seven-time Grammy yeah. Award nominee, yeah. Eric <laughs> Church. Together again for the first time. Yeah. Uh, when you have to make those commercials, you've got to loop that music just right to fit it so yeah. that it, it, it hits the right way, right? And dude, you spend, I mean, sometimes three, five hours making a 30-second commercial, Jeez. perfecting this musical drop that, you, that you've mm -hmm. got to hit just right, you know what I mean? And when you do that, those songs, I could tell you just about every song that I've actually done that with, and there are maybe a hundred of them. Because I used yeah. to do this for when Tom Zamolik would bring stuff to town for. Oh, oh. Well, see, I can picture, I can picture the drops. I can picture you doing the drops. Yeah, you, and this Saturday night, Civic Center, Matchbox Twenty. I wanna push yeah, right. you around. Right. You know, right? I, you're probably good at it, weren't you? I'm, I'm, I really was good at it. I've got the music clear. I can cut this stuff up. I, to, I, use I, I a, to use our phrase that uh, the guy yeah. I don't like would use, you were, you were searching for some bangers to throw in there. I found do they, the bangers. Do they, do they tell you which bangers to throw into uh, the commercial? Or is sometimes, that sometimes they would say, here's the songs we want, want you to use or don't want you to use. Yeah. Like Sarah McLaughlin's coming. Don't use Angel. 
that's yeah, right. Gonna, because, that's going to bring well, the, the mood down. And, and the and by the way, the the human rights activists own that song, or yeah. animal rights activists. Yeah, it'll right? make they, people they think of it. dead dogs. Yeah, we'll have to pay the, that one. We have to pay the dead dog people if you use that song. So you brought a pair of church. Ironic because I was going to ask you this. Yeah. Uh, the latest controversy, man. It's uh, all right. So you always have a take. I've got a take. I, our takes, yeah, they match a lot, but not always. And who knows on this one? So this guy has the cojones to <laughs> cancel his show. Now let's 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 set this up properly. Okay. So this concert, so this guy, Eric Church, does not know. He's a huge North Carolina Tar Heels fan. Obviously, this concert is probably scheduled at least six months ago. So six months ago, he might know it's the final four, but he has no way of knowing that North Carolina is going to be playing in the Final Four, and back then he wouldn't have thought North Carolina would be playing in the Final Four because they are an eight seed and probably shouldn't be there, but got hot at the right time. So he's got a concert scheduled in San Antonio this Saturday night, the same time that North Carolina is playing Duke, which that's another topic, Ross, is it one of the biggest games of all time. Some people are saying that, uh, but they're playing in New Orleans. So this guy doesn't just cancel the show or come up with some BS about how he's fighting a bug or something like that. This guy comes out and says, <laughs> I'm canceling the show because he dropped, he dropped, I, dropped I want to go watch that game. Drops his nuts on the scene and says, hey, by the way, uh, badonk, I'm yeah. going to go ahead and cancel this show because I want to watch a basketball now, game. Now, there's so many parts of this, Ross. The yeah. immediate impression for me is, what a dick. <laughs> okay, that's the immediate impression. Yeah, yeah. Because he... People plan on this stuff for months. Yeah. They look forward to it. They spend money, extra money on it. Hotels, flights, um, reservations for dinner, all the things that people do on a big concert night, especially Saturday night. You know, this isn't the Tuesday night show. This is Saturday night show. Big deal. So, and he did admit in his statement, he says it was selfish. Okay, this is the most selfish thing I've asked my fans, blah, blah, blah. So he did say that. So... That was my initial impression. But then you get to thinking about the other angle if there is one. Guy doesn't need the money. I mean, he, he's obviously leaving a lot of money on the table by not doing this show. I assume it will get made up at some point. But I don't know. He's probably losing at least a half mil. Ah, okay. Okay. Sold out show, probably. Maybe more. Maybe a million. Some of these people make a million a night when they do that stuff. Um, what's your takeaway from it? I mean, have you ever heard of anyone else doing something like this and so, admitting? So I, I fall off the fence onto the side of your knee-jerk reaction. All right, but I want to explain why I'm why because you you did a good job. I mean, there are two sides to this, right? It's not just as simple as uh, some stuck-up millionaire is going to ruin the nights of fifteen thousand fans who had de absolutely have been planning for this. Have been telling their coworkers. You, we all know how excited you get for a concert, mm -hmm. and so, th and I think that's why. But and I get that Eric Church is a North Carolina fan. Was this is an opportunity? All that stuff. There's several parts of this, right? It's North Carolina. If you were a fan of Wright State and yeah. they made it to the Final Four, I'd yeah. be like, dude, cancel your show, Hootie. Yeah, right. <laughs> you go do your thing. Nobody this has been North to the Final Four more than North Carolina. This is North Carolina. And you're playing Duke, who they play every year. Twice. And so, like... Sometimes three and times. I, and, I, and, and it is a special game because it's, I get all of that other stuff, but, man, I think this is a horrible look for him. 
and the perspective that is lost is is exactly what you kind of talked about there or we're touching on. The, for us, going to a concert is a very special occasion. We do we get to see a couple of them a year. Eric Church does hundreds of shows a year. Yeah. So they are uh, the the, pers- the best the best analogy I've ever heard for perspective is sand pieces grains of sand in a jar. Yeah. You know, you put a couple of grains of sand in a jar, you can distinguish them from each other. You remember which days you put each grain of sand in, possibly. Yeah. Put a couple hundred grains of sand in a yeah. jar, you don't remember one from the other, and taking one yeah. out certainly doesn't so mean Saturday night, to you. So Saturday night in San Antonio is not special for Eric Church, for no, sure. Saturday but, night in San Antonio is a is a, is a, a drop in the, in the grain, a, a drop of, a grain of sand in a... Ocean and in a beach for every one of those fifteen thousand people, it's one of eight to ten piece grains of if sand. If you've ever struggled to come up with an analogy for what "fuck you" money looks like, this is it. He doesn't care. That's he it, man. Like when care, you said, man. that's why when you said does he, he might make a half million this year, I almost said it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a million, two million, five million, half a million, fifty thousand. That is inconsequential. You're absolutely right. What this is a great example of "fuck you" money. I got enough money now to just step away and go, I'm doing, I, I, I can do my own thing. And by the way, I can come back and rebook this show anytime and 15 more, 15,000 more. And still sell it out. Yeah. 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 Even, even if I lost every one of these yeah, as I was Because you're not gonna. <laughs> no. But I would say even if you lost 12,000 of those 15,000 or however many we're talking about, if you lost 80% of them, you're in Texas. Yeah. You're Eric Church. Yeah. They're going to do that. And by the way, yeah, so he, he's not hurt at all by it. Do you, I think do you that, admire him for telling the truth? I mean, I don't. I, don't, I think a lot no, of people wouldn't. No, I, I don't admire people for telling the truth. I don't. You don't get points for doing what's expected to be the bare minimum. You lose credit for lying. You don't get credit for telling the truth. That's that's not the way it works. Um, I. It's probably a good thing he did because I imagine he's either going to be at the game or I mean like yeah. first you know it's you know it's funny you say that and the thing that that immediately popped to mind is yes that should be the standard but think about courts you do get credit for telling the truth I, you do I, get a Mark, better I sentence it. I know we're not in court and we're talking about uh, public perception and the and the court of public opinion and in that you don't get points for telling the truth you get yeah. deductions for lying and that's uh. Yeah, I'm glad he told the truth because the truth would have come out. I mean, you're a celebrity. We live in a world the where camera would have. the camera would have found you. Some Even if he's not going to the game, if he's going to a watch party, it's going to get out. Somebody's yeah. going to snap a picture. Or t- yeah. You know, hey, can I get a selfie? Bang. Uh, he'll probably like, be oh, right behind the bench. You yeah. know, I'm so, assuming he's got great seats. All right. You think he can afford it? <sighs> Man, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, he's got five hundred thousand less dollars. Yeah, to, this is to buy the those thing. This and the, again, just to add on to like the perspective of it, and I'm not killing Eric Church for it. I don't. I, I, I'm riding the fence and falling off the fence on the side of he shouldn't have done this. He probably should have just done the concert. It's a basketball game. It's an it's a it's a North Carolina Duke basketball game. Now I get that it's the Coach K and the Final Four thing. There's it adds to it, but yeah. man, we are in it. We're, we're still living in a world. Um, Elton John just performed here in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. That was a concert three years in the making, Mark. Yep. COVID, COVID, COVID. Yep. Three, three. Di- so we're still living in a world. I have tickets to a Rage Against the Machine concert that was scheduled for 2020, rescheduled for 2021, and now won't be played until 2023. Oh, so on. I'm still sitting on tickets 
We'll sit on tickets for another 18 months for a concert that's going to, and this guy cancels a show. So, I mean, not that those two things are in any way related, but as concert goers, yeah. we're all living in that same sort of world where we're still making up for all that lost ground. Yeah. And now we got a chance to go see a show. We're really excited. Days before the event, our buddy Cody Goodwin works for the Register, writes, uh, covers wrestling. Mm-hmm. He was headed to this concert. Oh, wow. Had tickets to the show in San Antonio. Good thing he didn't cancel it the night before. Well, I've decided now. After yeah. a lot of and prayerful thought. Right. I've and Mark, decided. I guess, if, yeah, to give Eric Church some credit, A, he was honest, but we don't get, but but he did it ahead of time. He didn't the that day go, well, I've decided, sorry, folks. I know all of you are looking for a night out because there are people that travel a long ways to go to these shows. Yeah. Well, yeah. What was the last concert you went to? Do you even remember? Um, yeah. Mike, Michael Bublé? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was. You went. You you bailed a little early, but you tried it out. You went. There. Yeah, we yeah we had a babysitter. Uh, you had not been right. We and had no interest, but he he was much better than I anticipated. Good entertainer. Yeah, he is absolutely good entertainer. Which I should have picked up on, man, because I love Neil Diamond. I always liked going and watching Neil yeah. Diamond perform. And it's not the singing. It's not the songs. It's the performance. It's yeah. it's yeah. Um. I would probably go see. I know Bieber's coming up. I've seen Bieber before. In fact, Bieber's like next week, two weeks, two weeks from today, something. Like uh, l- late April, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, but yeah, I've have seen him before. He's got a lot of hits, man. He does. It's on the radio all over the place. I don't know what stations you listen to. Whoa, that was not Justin Bieber. That was me. Wait, is he here? That was me. That was not Justin Bieber. Was that baby? Whoa. Was that baby? Wow, that's that's yeah. terrible. That's okay. really bad. Um, that's, that's Bieber. Sounds just like. Am it. I am I allowed? You can shut me down right now. That's oh, fine. Oh boy, here we go. No, I'm like I'm serious. You can shut me down. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this. Can we tell an edited version of the story the other night without ma- naming any names? Yeah, 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 yeah. We can do that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. If, as long as we don't say any names, I think because I. The primary character in this, I I don't know, but I got the impression probably doesn't want don't want to speak out of school. Yeah, as the, as yeah. The, they don't they don't they don't want this story to be out. But I think we can talk about what happened. So because it was a shitty situation. Yeah. So we have a dinner. Well, you changed the mood in this room quickly. Do you feel that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt it. I'm done. Now, no. Let's skip ahead to the end of the story. We had a great night. We did have a wonderful night. We had an awesome meal. You, Mark, decided a couple of weeks ago that he's gonna. Take all of the agents here out for a dinner, but not all at one time. So he broke it up into like three or four different dinners. There's 17 agents here now, so it's going to take some time. And Mark's not cheaping out, man. You took uh, took the first group to Splash. I took you to a nice seafood dinner and plan to never call you again. Well, now, hold on. Here's the deal. You didn't take me. This was not my dinner. I was Yeah, asked- you weren't even invited. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow you're there. It's great. <laughs> So it's meant to be for couples, three agents at a time, plus their spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. Uh, one of the people on this, because we'll mention his name in the story, John, our good agent John Olson, is there. And John is a single man. So he needed a, he needed a plus he one. Wasn't, and, he wasn't that night, baby. And you apparently volunteered. <laughs> so Ross is going to get two dinners out of this situation. But no, it was a pricey dinner. So... Um, Dinner's at 6.30 on Tuesday night at Splash. I get there with my wife about 6.15. One of my agents that's there or will be there texts me and says they're running a little bit late. So I'm expecting uh, three more of you to show up to this dinner. It's about 6.35. 
none, none of the three of you are there, which is like, okay, it'd be okay if you ran a little bit late. But no one has also texted. Normally, if everyone's run late, someone will be like, be there in a few minutes or whatever. No one had texted. 637, a text rolls in from John telling me that something's occurred outside of Splash and you guys are held up. Um, so I go outside. Is that, all, I, is that all his text said was uh, something happened outside? And we're yeah, it was. Uh, John's very vague. Okay. John's very vague. Yeah. Like he's the, hey, I need to talk to you about something. It doesn't say what it's about. Okay. Yeah. So um, so I say to, to my wife, hey, something's going down outside. I walk outside and, and, and see you guys out there. And uh, from there, I will let Ross. When you pick came up the story. out, when you came out of the uh, of Splash, I'm trying to remember you, because I felt like at some point I just turned around and you were there. I saw you got you three were huddled up with some cops. We were t- so all three of us were talking to the yep. one cop at, or a couple cops yep. or whatever. Okay, all yep. right, all right. That kind of helps me with my time frame. Um, John and I pulled up to Splash right at six twenty eight. I mean, we were like going to be dead nuts on time mm-hmm. walk in at 6 30 like bosses right uh we hopped out of the car i was on the phone with a client and and as we started we parked on the south side of locust and of course uh splashes on the north side of locust right there on on third and locust as we started to cross locust street our one of our other guests one of our fellow agents was uh putting money in a parking meter and I, I, I saw John kind of veering that direction and it, that kind of puppy dog on a leash thing. You know, you're with your buddy. He's going that direction. I think direction. you were on the phone. I was phone. on the phone talking to a yeah. client, I, and I turned, and when I looked up, and I, I saw at that point John kind of moving quickly towards our fellow agent, uh, there was, uh, I, I mean, a black guy, homeless-looking. Because um, there was a bus stop immediately bus across stop the street. Bus right, right across the street, yeah. and he he was he had our agent in his hands, and I mean like he was had his arms around her and was grabbing her, and she was obviously panicked and freaking out because this stranger, freaky stranger, homeless creep is grabbing onto her and groping her. Uh, and so John, I, I hung up the phone and John and I both kind of took off running. He saw us coming. Uh, I don't know if John was yelling. Um, he peeled off of, uh, of our, of our friend and started to run away. And uh, John, our friend was uh, very, uh, I mean, emotional, obviously in that moment. And John grabbed onto her to hold, to get her together. And I kind of did job two, which was run after the dirt bag. Right. And, uh, and he turned north on 4th Street. So we ran that block down yep. at the west on, on Locust. Middle of the day, man. It's 6, again, 6.30 at night. It's daylight. It, 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 daylight, cars are Cars around. are driving. Pat, this guy had to dodge traffic like Frogger in order to come across the, tra- the, the yeah. lane yeah. To, to do this, this wasn't to our a, friend. This wasn't an alley. No, it was No, not. But the alley comes into play very quickly here yeah. because... As I was running after him, I was screaming. I mean, I was yelling like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm calling him names and screaming at him and whatever, because that's about my only weapon is to actually just yell did at you, people. Did you, you creepy motherfucker. Yeah, I think I'm like, you motherfucker, go fucking mess with people. God, God you know, what? Yeah. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. But I was yelling loud. Yeah. And I'm not a big guy. I mean, I'm not, I, I, my voice makes me sound bigger than I am. Yeah. I trust me, I'm not a big guy. As um as he turned up Fourth Street, I think he looked over his shoulder and saw that it was me chasing him because all of a sudden he turned around and <laughs> he he's, got brave again. He did. He's like, "Oh, I can whoop this dude's ass." Yep. 
He yep. turned around, and now I'm kind of running towards him, and I'm still yelling at him. And, and he reached in his front pocket of his coat, and he's like, uh, he said, uh, you want to come get this, old man? Come on, old man, come get this. Mm-hmm. Called me an old man, Mark. You? So I rolled up my sleeves. Now, it turns out, by the way, we'll skip ahead one step here. I think the guy's 34? 30, 30, uh, 33, 34. Okay. I saw that. So you are older, but old man's a little. So I rolled up my sleeves and I bared my knuckles towards him. Mark. Oh, sir, you want fisticuffs? <laughs> yeah, I said fisticuffs. Fisticuffs you shall have. I'll fly your direction. Yes. <laughs> Meet my friends, Tommy Haymaker and Lenny Bruce. <laughs> so I, no, actually what I did, when he turned around, he's like, hey, come get it. I thought he had a gun or a knife, and that put me in my halts, and I'm like, all right. You know, and I kind of yelled at him, like, just get out of here and leave, me, leave us alone. Uh, and I turned around and started walking back to John, and by that point, John was, I mean, John was right behind my back. He had, he had taken care of, uh, of our friend, but then at that point, kind of peeled off and was now he yeah. kind of realized this guy was coming at me. He was like, this again, I'm kind of how you remember it. Your adrenaline runs and then sure. your memory shit. Yep. So, uh, at that point he, t- guy, t- the, that guy took off. The second thing that happened was another uh, homeless man came from the bus stop over as, as the perp perv, whatever the, the, the perv. The, yeah. Just, just combine the words. The perv. Okay, there you go. The dirt bag. Yep. As he ran up 4th Street, and I got back to our friends, this a second homeless man comes running across Locust Street. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. Now, I, I knew that he wasn't coming to, like, attack us or anything like that. But I also didn't want his... I didn't want him to be around us at that moment, okay? He was at... At the same time as he's running across the Locust, he's yelling at the homeless guy, the other homeless man, the, the, the yeah. dirt bag, about, don't bother people, get away from them, da-da-da. Well... Again, all happening so snappy sure. fast. As he ran towards me, I didn't want him near us either. Yeah. So I kind of held my hand up and I said, don't don't come over here. Go deal. What I meant to say was go deal with that guy. Yeah. What I said was, we don't want you here. Go work with him. <laughs> yeah. And he, of course, took that, took that to mean that I thought they were like some sort of tandem and mm-hmm. working in cahoots. And that pissed him off. Yeah. So he started yelling at me and I started yelling back at him and... Uh, at, at around that point, and I, I realized right away that I, it was my mistake with words that was going to cause this next problem. And so I, I right away put my hands up. I said, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I said the wrong thing. Didn't mean it that way. I meant get that guy away from my friends. And the guy's like, hey, man, I really appreciate it. Do you have a dollar? Yeah. And I had one dollar bill on me, and I never give homeless people money, but I did never, give. never miss an opportunity. Right, right. And I gave him my business card, and I said, if you need to get pre-approved for a loan. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. No. So anyway... As again, this all happened so bang, boom, fast. As I turn around with my conversation with this homeless guy, a Des Moines police officer is walking up onto us on foot and he's like wide eyed and he says, Hey, what's going on? I heard you yelling. What's happening? And so, right away, all three of us say he was assaulting our friend. He ran up 4th Street. Cop took off on foot and said, Stay right here. Other cops are on their way. So that cop, that went cop, on Mark foot went to go try to find the yes, other guy. Yes, Mark, okay. that cop was in the alley right behind Splash when all of this went down, and I mean thirty yards away from yeah. where this well, guy. That guy had been there, I think, the entire time. They had, when I was there, fifteen minutes earlier yes, than you guys, because there had been a hit and run on Locust, and the victim of the hit and run pulled into that alley okay. and called the cops, and so the cops were there dealing with that. They heard me yelling at the guy when, and I, when I was chasing him. was the only time I was yelling loud enough for them to hear it in the alley. Yeah. 
That's what brought him out of the alley to go, something's wrong over here. Yeah. They ended up, uh, by the time that officer got back to us, there were four more reports of this guy, of, of a person matching the exact same description that we gave them, doing the exact same thing to four other women. So, so this, what, I, what I'm trying to piece together, because I originally thought he had maybe done that to other women earlier, but it sounds like within the, because you're saying this happens all about 630. Yep. Okay. I get a text from John at 637. Okay. I immediately come out. So I'm outside by 639. Mm-hmm. Okay. I then hang out with you guys for three, four minutes, something yeah. like that. And then over the radio, I hear something basically that we've, we got him at sixth and grand. Okay. So we're talking about, so, so is your theory that as this guy's running, he happens to run into he did, Mark, he four ran, more women that is, quick? This is what the cops told us. He ran up to the Y. Okay. He ran, ran up 4th Street to the Y, did the same thing to a couple of women at the Y, and then was running down Grand Avenue, Went, kept going west, Jeez. moved west, and they caught him at 6th and Grand. Maybe he saw another woman on the street on Grand Avenue in that, in that street. So, I mean, obviously, you're t- we're talking about a guy that has, there's some sort of issues here. Uh, which doesn't excuse any of it. It's but it's the reason no. why he's running around. But what he told the cops was that he had um, been that he was had been arrested before, and he was on the sex offender registry. But that was a false allegation, mm-hmm. and because he had been accused of and convicted of this false allegation, he was now going to go out and do the things that society had punished him for. Really earn it this time. Really earn it. Yeah. So this guy gets arrested, and by the way, I, I'm speculating because uh, we looked it up. Bond was $300, which seems really low to me. Uh, so I assume this guy's back out on the streets. I bet not. You don't think? No, I bet. I bet so they probably probably put it there because they have to put a bond on. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, okay. it's, it's, unju- it's unjust if they do, right? Yeah. But he, the guy can't afford it. Hmm. I bet he can't afford the thirty because you only have to have. Well, 10. no, I, I I agree with that, but so yeah. he's still he's still in jail. Yeah, hopefully. I'd almost guarantee that. I mean, he didn't have thirty dollars worth of stuff on him. Hopefully, if I'd have beat the shit out of him and taken his clothes, no, I'm kidding. What? Have, I mean, what, been great. So, local, so, local, local radio host beat to snot on Locust Avenue by thirty year old ho- homeless man. So then the way the story ends, of course, is uh. Lovely seafood and steak dinner, just like most things. And actually, downtown. you would think you would think after like that starts your evening, like it, the evening itself would be ruined. <laughs> but everybody still came down to dinner. Uh, I think we had a really good time. We did have a nice time, and it, I mean, uh, you know, it is hard, and it and I know that our friend is uh, has has had a couple of sleepless nights, and um, you know is. But that's it's a traumatic event. I mean, dude, my adrenaline was rushing, and I couldn't quite focus, and I couldn't really fall asleep, and I had a raging headache all night, and and I was the third person involved in you this. The victim. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or John, who saw it first, ran up on it first, was the I mean, more emotionally connected to it than I was. I yeah. was I, I just was there to play. I need to start hanging out more with John, who's actually a good friend of mine, but I just, it seems like he gets involved in some of these things. So that was the, like the night I could have gone out for drinks with you guys. You guys go to a bar and, and, uh, you know, John's about to fight this guy. He's taking his shirt off. I stepped in the middle of that one. You know, also. it's that like when you do, when that... you, where you guys go, <laughs> yeah, trouble right. follows. And John and I are not trouble. Yeah. 
We're not at all. And ne- just... neither one of you is a huge guy. No. So it's not like you're out looking no. for trouble, you know? Yeah, we're not the intimidating ones. We're the guys that you look at and go, all right, we're, that's not even, we're not going to fight those guys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You, want... you guys just like yelling at people. You got scary voices. I don't even have a scary voice. So anyway. Anyway, I, I, that, was I hope, a, that was a wild night, man. I hope weird. the next work dinner's not quite as eventful uh, as, as, as that one. Can't be, right? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> where, where do you go from there? I have the best story you've ever oh, heard. Oh, but no, you don't, because I just told it. So no, that's, a pretty yeah. good, that's a pretty good story. That's a pretty good story that we just... Is that our best story ever? Is that the best story you've ever heard this week? I still think it's the Olympics where people had dysentery. And, <laughs> and, uh, it's amazing that a movie hasn't been made about that, isn't it? We're running in wool wool work clothes. This yeah. is... A, Mark, this is one. I, I, I'm, I would... I, I don't... I try not to guarantee things. I really do think you're going to be very familiar with this story, okay? But I don't think you're going to know all the details of it. So I think this is. One I was going to ask if there's a chance I I know about it. So you've already answered. that. This is what I would say. Most of our listeners have definitely heard or seen this headline. Okay. Whether or not they know the details of the story behind it uh, are a whole other thing. So let's just start with the headline that most of you are probably familiar with, and I'll and, and we'll see how much of this. You actually know. Um, have you ever heard the story of the Japanese soldier who didn't know the war ended? Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm glad to hear. See, uh, yeah, that I, don't, you're, I don't. I don't know. Oh, thank God! I don't this know. is going to be so much better now. I thought. I really would have thought this was one of those things that you had probably seen the headline of at some yeah. point in time. And the, then the, your curiosity would be the type that you would die yeah, and find yeah. a little bit more. This reminds me of a dream, a reoccurring dream I have. And I think the dream was based off an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm. Where in the dream, I am, like, I go to my mom's house. You know, I just, like, I check in with the family or whatever. And I'm, I'm sitting around and, you know, I, and I casually say, like, where's dad? You know, and they're like, what, what are you talking about? Like, what Who's do you mean? With, Gary? They're like, what do you mean, where's dad? I go, like, no. That's the weird science I, thing? No, I go, where's dad? And they're like, dad died three weeks ago. We buried oh him. Oh, my gosh. So the dream is, and I guarantee you this has happened to somebody. Somebody thinks somebody else notified you. Like, my sister says to my brother, I told you to call Mark. My brother says, I thought you were calling Mark. So my dad dies. They have a funeral. I'm not even aware of it because nobody ever told me that this happened. And then I find out weeks later that I missed it. This is this is essentially a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. So in this case, I would be the soldier that didn't know man, that the war a, had ended. How sad is the music at the end of that dream? Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. So let's just start the story from the beginning then, okay? Because... Uh, this young man, his name is Hiru Onodo. O-N-O-D-A. I'm having a really hard time with the Onoda. Onoda. Because I want to say Onodo, but it's Onoda. Onoda. Hiru Onoda. Hiru Onoda. Hiru Onoda, born in 1922 in Japan. So start doing some math real quickly there. 100 years old today. Well, 100 years old today. In fact, oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. March 19th was his birthday. Yeah. Just turned 100. Uh, Ol Haru didn't make it to, to be with us at 100, but you will be astonished 
at the life that this guy lived. And again, there, as we tell the story, I think it'll unfold as to why it's certainly no, it's certainly no Disney movie. Okay. Okay. So at 17 years old, he enlists in the, uh, Japanese military. Uh, of course, if you were doing the math there from 1922, he joins the military in 1939, the Japanese military. Okay. So, and he's, he's going to be, he wants to be, uh, uh, takes it very seriously. He takes great honor in the assignments that he's given. And when we say that he uh, takes them very seriously, you'll know to what extent here in, here in just a little bit. So 1941. Uh, 1942, we get into World War II. 1943, there's all sorts of stuff happening in the in the in the uh, uh, Pacific Islands, and Haru is sent on a mission in 1945 uh, to go to this uh, particular island in the Philippines. Um, I'm sorry, I, I take that back. On on December of 1944. He's sent to Lubang Island in the Philippines, and he is ordered to hamper enemy attacks, do everything he can to hamper enemy attacks in the island. Now, my grandpa was a CB in the military. What my grandpa's job was is they would drop CBs onto these islands in the middle of the, uh, of the Pacific, and they'd drop heavy machinery and a few guys, and the guys would basically make a runway with a bulldozer. Okay. And that was what the Seabees did. Haru was essentially sent to Lubang Island to make sure that the Seabees couldn't do their work. Disrupt everything that happens. Uh, make sure that you destroy the airstrip. Destroy the pier at the harbor. Disrupt everything on the island you can to make sure that, that our enemies don't gain, gain a foothold there. Okay? Now, that's 1944. Now, you, now it, quick question. Yeah. Was this the only guy with this assignment? He sent there, Mark, with a group of people. Okay, that's a really good. That's okay. a really good question, and that just come into play. I'm glad you you stopped okay. me for that because uh, he is sent there with a small group of basically uh, fighters that are sent on this guerrilla mission. We're not really telling people that you're going there because we want control of this island. We know that the Americans are going to try to get there and, and, and gain a foothold. You're going to act like you live on the island, and you're just going to do all this guerrilla warfare stuff. Disrupt every single thing okay. that you can until we tell you not to. Okay. In December of 1944, he sent to the island. Now, if you're a military historian, you know that August of 1945 is the actual end of World War II. So from the time he's sent there until the time the war ends is like a 10-month period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ten months is how long he should have been there disrupting the foothold that the Americans might seem to gain. Um, word never reaches Lubang Island that the Japanese have actually surrendered in the military. Okay? So Onoda, Onoda and his group of guerrilla fighters continue to stay on the island. They stay in hiding. They, they're living in the jungle they're doing everything they can to do what they think is their mission, okay? Because obviously nothing's happening at this point. Nothing's happening, Mark. Yeah. There's no Americans landing. There's no airstrips being built. Mm -hmm. he, they, they've gone and they've destroyed the pier on the harbor and done that in, this, in, in the dead of night. And every time the people in the town try to rebuild it, they see that as a, a, a disruption in their mission. 
and they go back out and they destroy the, the harbor again. They're going to the, to the point of when they come across rice fields and they find, the, they think, well, this rice is eventually probably going to be feeding the Americans when they get here. So they start to destroy rice fields. They start to bury rice. When farmers come out and they catch them disrupting their crops, they kill the farmers. <laughs> yeah. Mark, this goes on for not just years, not just a couple years. This goes on for decades. What? Mark, decades. Four other soldiers are with uh, Onoda for a long period of time. Um, now, one of them was a general. He dies early on in, in this campaign. Some of them, so at this point, the U.S. military is dropping leaflets on this island. The Japanese military is dropping leaflets because they know that this group of, of men are still on this island, but they know they're not coming out of hiding until they're told by the emperor, hey, lay down your arms. Yeah. Uh, as time goes on, by 1949, a couple of them have surrendered. They, they believe that it's propaganda. They think that they're just being conned to come out of the, uh, of the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, one man, they, they get into firefights with the cops and they, I mean, when you get to the end of this story, dude, you're, it's astonishing that these guys were able to maintain for as long as they were, because they got into multiple shootouts with the local police. Some of them die during shootouts when there's only two of them left. One of the guys gets shot and Anoda pulls him back up into the woods and nurses him back to health all on his own up in the woods. <laughs> so... That, and that actually happens in 1954. So they'd been living in the in, in the jungle for a decade when his buddy gets shot and he drags him back up there and nurses him back to health. So they're again, they're burning rice fields. They're doing all sorts of stuff to disrupt the local economy because they think that's their job. Mark, over time, they think that Onoda is responsible for as many as 30 deaths on this one island, on Lubang Island, because... He was He's not adamant. a serial killer. He is he, he this was the orders from his emperor. This is what he was told to do. Jeez. Mark, we have to go to 1974. 1974 <laughs> when we get introduced to the second character in this story. Another guy a, a gentleman by the name of Norio Suzuki. Now, we might have to do a story someday about Norio Suzuki all on his own because this dude sounds like either a mad genius or just a mad idiot, all right? Yeah. The story of Onoda had circulated now around Japan for 30 years. For 30 years, they had known that, yeah, apparently there's this dude that's up on this island and he's killing people and he still thinks he's he's got his sword uh, and and and... It becomes like a little bit of a folklore legend, yeah, right? Yeah, I think at some point they'd send in their own military to go get the guy. They tried, Mark. They tried multiple times to go up and get the guy, and he would shoot at him and refuse to come down until he knew that he wasn't yeah. being tricked. Like, how is this guy not running out of ammo and stuff? Mark, when know? they find him, dude, when, when they find him in 1974, the stuff that he has with him is astonishing. He saw us 500 rounds of ammo. <laughs> his gun is in perfect working order. He still has his sword. His mother had given him um, a knife 
to commit Harry Carey if he had been taken, if he was taken hostage. Yep. But he was given, and this is part of this, like he was given specific orders from the emperor or from his commanding officer to not surrender and to not commit suicide and to never give up the mission until he was told by that officer not to do it. And by the way, these officers were the same ones who went and surrendered in front of the uh -huh. U.S. military, right? So 1974, this guy, Norio Suzuki, again, might just be a nut job. I haven't looked yeah. enough into this guy, but the little bit I have, holy cow, fascinating. Yep. He says, I'm going to go find it. I'm going to go find Lieutenant Onoda. But his, <laughs> this guy puts this proclamation out in Japan and says, I'm going to find three things in the next year. I'm going to find Lieutenant Onoda. I'm going to find a panda. And I'm going to find the abominable snowman. What? I swear to God, Mark, I'm not making it up. In that order, by the way, the quote is... In that order. Okay. I'm going to go around the world looking for Lieutenant Anoda, a panda, and the abominable snowman in that order. Okay. Well, Suzuki found Anoda in four days. So Anoda uh, tells the story of this hippie basically walking into his area of the jungle and yelling to him uh, something to the effect of Lieutenant Onoda, the the entire country of Japan is 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 looking for you, and we want to bring you home to honor you. And that he so he doesn't shoot Suzuki. He starts to talk to him. Suzuki takes some pictures of him, comes back to the mainland of Japan, says, "Hey, I, I found the guy. Here's where he is. This is what he's demanding. He's demanding that the emperor." come to the island and tell him to lay down his arms and give and that's exactly what happens. They actually write a a a a, a, a government accordance for the emperor of Japan to go to this island and talk to this guy in the jungle mm -hmm. and tell him you're good. You're yeah. good, man. He's properly relieved of his duties. When he surrenders, he turns over his sword, a functioning Arisaka type 99 rifle. 500 rounds of ammo, several hand grenades, as well as the dagger that his mother had given him in 1944 to kill himself if he'd been captured. Jeez. Now, there's some weird stuff that comes about after this, Mark. I bet there is a movie about this guy, by the way. There are there's, in the there, world. There are some movies, nothing that you, nothing like... Hollywood blockbuster. Hollywood blockbuster. And the, uh, uh, there is a documentary-esque film that's called Anoda's War. It's like an independent film. But then the other one is that's called there's one called Onoda 10,000 Nights in the Jungle. Okay. That one came out in 2021. So I mean nothing none of this stuff. Here's the deal. This guy lived till 2014, Mark. Wow. He lived a pretty long life and of course after this story became so well known in the 70s, this guy became a folklore legend. I mean, he was, they, they tried to convince him to run for political office and all this stuff. Uh, he didn't ever do that. And he, he tried to kind of keep in out of the limelight. And then we, we found out later on that reason was because he had done a lot of really horrible things in an effort to keep his mission alive. Yeah. Uh, including killing up to 30 people that the government officials in Lubang Island think that he was responsible for as many as 30 deaths over the course of those 30 years that he was living in the But jungle. I would also think that, yeah, he would kind of be hailed as a national hero because he was that, you know, okay with the cause. You, you know, you've was, nailed something. You've nailed it because that's exactly what it was. There's, there's, 
There's an auxiliary story to this story that's not nearly as fascinating, that's maybe a little bit more tragic, but Hiro Onoda was not the longest holdout of, the, of, of World War II. Not even Japan's longest holdout of World War II. There was actually another dude a couple months after they got Onoda back to Japan, they found another guy. Now, this was a way different story. This guy had abandoned his post. He'd given up on the... He, he was not committed to the cause the yeah. way that Onoda was. Yeah. Now, this guy also didn't go out and kill 30 people in an effort to maintain the cause, mm -hmm. but he was not seen with nearly the fanfare that people, uh, that people welcomed in Onoda with. Uh, he was kind of even pushed back a little bit because the people didn't respect what he had done. He died a couple years after these two gentlemen were eventually found. I think he died in like the 70s or 80s. Um, but uh, yeah, Haru Noda. He, he sounds like the perfect employee. Let's see, when you run a business, <laughs> you want all your people to be Haru Anodas. You know, it's like no matter what. I'm not leaving this place, man. The uh, the Japanese president Ferdinand, uh, or the the then president Ferdinand Marcos, granted him a full pardon in a televised ceremony, um, after he was brought home. So obviously, good good weather there. I'm trying to think. You're living in the jungle. The guy never had a house. Obviously, probably what a hut. Well, Lubang Island is the largest island in the Lubang group of islands and archipelago, which lies in the north west of the northern end of the Mindoro in the Philippines. So, yeah. Okay, Philippines is nice. Yeah, yeah. You're doing okay there. Yeah. That's nuts, dude. Like, you, 30 you years. You just hear stories like that. You're like, how is it So, I thought that would be possible. One. Really did think that would be one where you would have seen uh, that headline somewhere. You kind of would have seen that thing pop up around. I mean, I guess it's possible, but it didn't, didn't make a dent for me. Isn't that crazy, dude? 30 years. It's, it's hard. And, it's honestly hard to believe. But, he, that's, but that's what makes it the greatest story that you've ever heard, right? Yeah. It, until next week when there will be maybe maybe even a better one. Uh, I did want to – I saw this last night. A friend of ours posted this. This is not as good as your story, I promise. Uh, but this is stuff that just makes you think, damn, time and how we think about time is so weird to me. He posted – our buddy Joe, see Joe for alone. Uh, he says the movie Dazed and Confused was set in 1976 and released in 1993. Okay? okay, a comparable movie released today would be about the class of 2005. Wow, <laughs> like Dude. that's just weird. Dude, so my wife and I were looking at pictures last night of like, you know, celebrities in 2005 and. You don't think about it that long ago, and and it's not as as drastic a change from 2022 to 2005 in terms of style, but you do notice difference. Mark, you know, a lot of celebrities on the red carpet wearing jeans and. Mark, we're 44 years old. 43. Don't don't. Okay, age okay, me. we're gonna turn 44 this year. Yeah. If a baby is born this year, it would be like you and I, as a baby, being around somebody that was born in 19. 30 something four yeah yeah it's nuts dude it's nuts it's it, it's <laughs> it's just weird how Time because because you live it yeah. it doesn't feel something like that but i remember when i saw days infused by the great movie i assume everyone that listens to this has watched that movie or else you should um 
you days and confused fan i assume you are loved it yeah i thought that movie was fantastic so many great lines yeah but so. it seems so long ago when that movie came out and they're like oh wait shit, wipe that face off your head that line never made any sense to me but anyway, what i know what you're talking about that's a gr- that's come on that's what's that's what's so great about the line it's not wipe that look off your face i know wipe that face off your head why is that a great line that's a great line Why? Because it's because this exact thing, because you yeah. remember it, it it's it's clever. It's not the same I old, prefer it's got that that thing I love so much, which is the veer, the zigzag. Yeah. I prefer get you later, get you later. Does that even you mean sound you like know? a dork when get you say you later, that. Get you later. Yeah. Yeah, chicks don't want to hear that shit, man. Dude, there's so many great lines in that movie. Yeah. Oh. Now of course I'm here to drink some beer and kick so, some ass. There's so like many people in that movie. Do you ever think about it as McConaughey's first role? No, that's first shocking role, to hear man. that his very first line. Wooderson. Yeah, was all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Very first thing he ever said in front of a camera. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, it's, it's uh, and he was just, uh, well, they filmed that in Austin, in Austin, Texas, or nearby, and he was going to school at the time. So sometimes you can just fall into a career like that. Um Okay. All right. I'm out of here. I was looking at a text. I'm sorry. Nope. I, uh, I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, you going to go get me more checks? I got another check to bring in today, brother. Yep. Had two Ross, closings. Two closings two today. Two closings today. You wait till April, homie. Yeah. You April. should be arrested for how much you're killing it out April there. April is going to be, you're going to be, you might as well put a revolving door in this office. <sighs> be in and out with all my checks in April. Ross, thanks me every day for this opportunity. I, I promise you. Not, oh, a, not every day, but I do thank you often. By the way, uh, uh, I occasionally we do have to plug this place. If you're looking to sell a house. No better what, place. This, this is what we do. No better place. Listen, and you, when we say full service, this morning I was helping people move a mattress, a king-size mattress out of an upstairs in Panora. Yes. Uh, I've helped people paint their houses, rake their yards, uh, mow their yards, man. I don't even know where to start with all the different things we you've do. You've done, you've done some things to do. Yeah, full service. Hey, but remember, you get what you pay for. Uh, yeah, you, if you can, hire a charter house you and can save go thousands of dollars. You can go ahead and give them thousands of dollars. Those people that tell you they're your friends. Oh um, man, or, don't, or, you, or you can call us and keep your money. That's my PSA. <laughs> don't listen to that crap. See ya. All right, we'll see you next week.